before we transition in uh, to get into our Palm Sunday uh, discussion, I just, I'm going to take one more breath and I'm just going to pray briefly before I jump into it. Lord, we just are so uh, grateful to be here in a space together in a time where being together has uh, so many obstacles. Uh, I pray that you would help us see each other even as we are not physically together in this space. And that the reflections of Palm Sunday, the reflections of your life and your death and your resurrection and that your early church would be something that would bring life and inspiration and hope and healing to us. And anything that does not do that, that you would be gracious and, and filter and lead us into uh, a place where we are finding fuller and deeper life together. Amen. So uh, we are finishing up our, our series of Lent, where we've been talking about this experience of Jesus being discovered on the road to Emmaus and how his disciples uh, originally did not recognize him. Um, and there's the sense of particularly after this year that we are all thinking about returning to life. But the truth of our experience and the truth of Jesus is that the hope of the resurrection, the hope of this next period is not a return to old. It is actually a discovering of something new. Um, and Palm Sunday is as good of an example of that as anything I can think of. Palm Sunday was this picture of celebration, this picture of all of these people uh, ushering Jesus into Jerusalem, celebrating him as the Messiah, the coming one, the new king that was going to be there. And what is so interesting to me is that what they're celebrating, what they're thinking about, is in no ways what is about to happen in their mind in that celebration, think this man in a week's time will be killed. What they're thinking in their mind is that this is going to be our revolutionary leader. He is going to lead us to a geopolitical revolution where we find freedom from Roman occupation. There is this expectation of what the Messiah was, was going to be reestablishing Jerusalem as the home of the Jewish people. Uh, throwing off the shackles of their oppressors. And so when you think about the disciples and you think about the followers of Jesus after his death, upon his death, leading towards his death, you can think about the struggle and the question of how on earth is this the Messiah when I had thought the Messiah was going to lead us to a revolt, a revolution. Well, Today, I want to look at a passage that is not your traditional Palm Sunday passage. The traditional Palm Sunday passage is the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Today, I want to take a look at Jesus's somber exit from Jerusalem as he is being marched out of the city, being led to the cross for his death. Now, there's a passage in here as he leaves Jerusalem that I would say hit me poorly for a long time. It is a among those passages in the Bible that you go, huh, all right, I guess that's in there. And the younger version of myself would say, let's just skip past that. Let's move forward. I don't know what to make of that. But I want to dive into it a little bit today because I actually think that what is being said in this passage is incredibly profound and meaningful for us today. So in Luke 23, 
after Jesus has been tried and sent to death, tortured, is now making his way out of Jerusalem, heading towards the cross where he'll be crucified and killed. In Luke 23, it says, there followed him a great multitude of people and women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say, mountains fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things, when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Now, my first experience of this was almost as if it was a rebuke. These women are crying. These women are lamenting Jesus walking towards his death. We don't know exactly who these women are, but I think it is safe to say these are people that have been caught up, part of the, the life of Jesus. They are ones that have a stake, an investment in him being this Messiah, and they are lamenting what they see in him going to his death. But Jesus's retort back to them always seemed strange to me. When they're crying for them, why say to them, don't cry for me, but cry for your yourselves and your children and the sufferings that you will come? You will wish that you never had kids, the sufferings you will see? Well, I think that for us to find, uh, I think the true helpfulness in this passage, we do need a little bit of context, a little bit of what on earth is happening here. Uh, I have a little bit of a timeline we put together if we wanna go ahead and throw this up on the screen. So most scholars believe what Jesus is referencing here is the soon fall of Jerusalem. In 70 AD, the city, uh, the second temple is destroyed and Jerusalem is destroyed and the Jewish people are murdered and in mass. So this happens roughly 40 years after Jesus's death, 30 to 40 years after Jesus's death. However, the time that most believe the gospel where the oral traditions of Luke were put into the gospel form, we see uh, most people believe it is around 80 to 85 AD after the destruction of Jerusalem. So in short, what is helpful for me to think about this is whether specifically about the great trauma. This is like, a, I don't know, we're going to be inception here for a second. Jesus is speaking prophetically about the future to a people who have experienced that prophetic future in their past. I feel like it's like an X-Men movie did that in some ways. What are the days of future past or something like that? So you have a people, followers of Jesus, who've experienced this great trauma, the fall of Jerusalem. In this early church, as they're receiving this message of Luke when this is being written down, you have Jesus... 40 years before this destruction, speaking to these mourning women, telling them, don't cry for me, cry for yourself. And I think uh, what this means to me, why I think this is so helpful to understand this in the context of what uh, a larger timeline is essentially, I feel like what Jesus is saying to them is, what's about to happen right now? Me dying, 
it's actually not about my suffering. It's about your suffering. Me dying is about the suffering that you will continue to experience, the great suffering that is coming for you, or if you're thinking about the audience after the destruction of Luke, it's for the, it's for the trauma that's happened to you and the continued trauma that will come for you. That Jesus is bringing about a revolution, but it is not the revolution they had expected. The revolution they had expected would have been a successful version of the Maccabean revolt, another history lesson. So when Jesus was living and acting in his life, part of the reason that the Pharisees and the leaders were so afraid of him is because they all had recent history of Jewish revolt, violent upheaval, that led to a short period of time where the Jewish people did have independence. There's this period between Greek and Roman rule. So when they hear Jesus talking about the Messiah, this is the David, the returned, the awaited one. What they are thinking is this is the new revolutionary leader that is going to violently overthrow our occupation. And so you have some Jewish sympa sympathetics who are in power at that time that don't wanna see that happen. You have some people in power that are afraid of Jesus. And so you have this real expectation of what is going to happen, which is centered on violence and geopolitical revolution. And instead what happens is you see Jesus bring around a revolution based in his self-sacrificial love. In this moment as he is walking to the cross to die and he says to them, this is not actually about my suffering. This is about your suffering. He's bringing about a revolution that is breaking the cycles of violence, not perpetuating them. He is bringing about a revolution that is based in self-sacrificial love. And he's bringing about a revolution that is based in the care of other people's suffering. See, this is what the, the lesson of the early church was. After Jesus's resurrection, what happened was the forming of these early communities, the forming of these early churches that were known for their care for the sick, known for their care for the poor, known for the care of the outsider. It was an incredibly rare space where people from different ethnic, religious, and socioeconomic backgrounds came together to form these small communities of justice. This was the revolution that took place with Jesus. They had expected a violent revolt, and instead they found a revolution of justice, a revolution of advocacy and care for the poor. And importantly, they found a revolution that led to the empowering of the people. So the early church was not a passive group that was following some leader leading to geopolitical revolution. And instead what happened is you had a whole body of people empowered to care for each other. Empowered to care because Jesus had created a model for them in his self-sacrificial love of how do we bring about justice in this world? It is, for, it is through self-sacrificial love, standing with those who experience suffering, caring for them. You know, and I think for me, the reason this connects so much to this last year and this moment, is because I feel like 
in this last year, I've understood in a different way how much justice and change requires my participation. It is not about me standing back and waiting for some leader to fix it all. That I sit back and ride along to what they are doing. It requires my participation and my involvement, my investment. And that's what we saw in the early church is an emboldened and empowered group of people all over the Roman world and all of these churches fighting for justice, not through violence, but through care. And for me, when I think about how overwhelmed I get by the problems of this world, how big it all feels to fight back against systemic racism, to fight back against the broken parts of our capitalist society, to fight back about the things that feel deeply entrenched. For me to feel like there is hope moving forward, I have to feel empowered. I have to have a vision for how I can actually do something about that. And I think this is what Jesus is doing. He is creating a vision for people that can do this locally within the people in their lives around them. These model of these early churches as communities of justice, which were the logical living out of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. And so when we move to this moment of Luke's gospel being recorded, you have a people who have experienced a trauma. You have a people who are marginalized. You have a people who are overwhelmed, looking for a way forward. And we see the message of Jesus is, I stand with you in your suffering currently. I stand with your healing from your previous trauma. And I will stand with you going forward in your suffering. But not just me, but a community of people empowered by me. empowering us to persevere in working towards justice, empowering us to be part of seeing the kingdom of God brought to this earth, not just because we have hope and a vision and a model for what it looks like, but because we have a living God helping meet our needs along the way. And not only that, offering dignity and healing for those experiencing suffering and trauma seeing the mass killing and the loss of hope in the destruction of Jerusalem, it is not just an other focused thing he is speaking to these people. Like you get to go care for everybody else. He is addressing the suffering they have experienced and reminding them the dignity of honor that the God of the universe has also walked through suffering to be with us in it. You know, as I think about what this means for all of us, and I think about where this leads us today, it leads me to a few different things. One is I do think we should see a model here. See a model of Jesus telling these women that the point of all of this is not about Jesus's suffering, but actually the suffering that is to come and cared for in the early church. 
It's a, a model for us when we feel overwhelmed by the largeness of the problems to see that there are things right around us that we can do. And it's also an offer of healing and hope for us in the midst of trauma, trying to imagine the way forward. And so I think in short of all of the, this is I think what Jesus is trying to encourage us or might have for us in this moment on this Palm Sunday is a reimagination for ourselves and our life going forward. A reimagination that I think this last year has forced upon us that we are going to be changed by the struggle and suffering of this last year but looking to Jesus for help in how we are changed by it. You know, first I would say, looking for the ways that we are supporting the work of organizations pursuing justice. That is the beauty of the early church, these local communities addressing, pursuing justice. And so we have a long list of organizations that we as a community support and advocate for, whether it is, uh, movements around defunding CPD, whether it's around addressing educational inequity in our city, whether it's around homelessness, being part of something pursuing justice in our city, I think, is part of this message of the revolution of Jesus. But sometimes uh, we can think too big about what does it mean to get involved? I'm gonna, I'm gonna change the world and that loses from the way that we can change the life of people right around us too. And so my second part of this is trying to figure out if we are trying to model ourselves after the communities that developed after Jesus, these communities of care, these communities of support is just trying to think about how you can support somebody in your life right now. I mean, this, my guess is in this moment in time, we all know somebody that's having a hard time. We, we are probably likely one of those people having a hard time. And a way that we can support people can be as simple as sending a meal, praying for them and letting them know you're praying for them or just sending a text. I think the, the communication of we see suffering and don't ignore it, as Jesus did. Or if you're not totally sure who that person is or what to do that one small way, we have something as next week, we have our Easter gift baskets where we're gonna be delivering uh, little Easter gift bags uh, to people in our community that we'd like to. And so just sign up to be part of that. It's, it's a small way to communicate to other people in our community that we are here as a support. But perhaps the most profound note in all of this is that Jesus sets a model for people to actually find support and care when they are suffering. That the victory that we see in the cross is not in the triumphant defeat, violently overthrowing the government, but rather Jesus's surrender to death to walk with us, to offer us healing in our inevitable struggle. And so, my last suggestion is if you are having a hard time, if you feel like you're suffering, if you feel like it is difficult right now to reach out and let other people know, 
to be part of that virtuous cycle of a community that supports each other by letting other people be there to support you. And some of us that might seem straightforward, like I'll text this friend, I'll reach out to my family. But I think a lot of us, we don't know how to do that. This is not a thing that is particularly modeled well in our culture. Unfortunately, a church that is based on Jesus who stands with the suffering, often even church communities can create value assessments of those who tend to be there to support others versus those who tend to need support. That is a false paradigm. And so if you're not sure what that is, you can reach out to Vince or I. Let us know you're having a hard time so we can pray for you. Let us uh, loop in the pastoral care team so we can be praying for you, supporting you, whether it's something as simple as needing a ride somewhere or it is something like having prayer. Let us know if you are in a place that you need some financial support. That is part of what our community does as well. And if you are, just recognize I'm having a hard time. I need help finding a counselor because this has been a hard year and I need help finding that. You can all email us at brownlinechurch.gmail.com. That's kind of like the catch-all. It goes to Vince and I. We will see that. And if you are just trying to say, hey, I'm having a hard time and I need support, that's what we as a community want to do with each other, for each other. I'm gonna take a moment and finish up with a, a little bit of prayer and reflection for us to sit in before we bring our Palm Sunday service to a close. Jesus, on Palm Sunday, as we remember your triumphant entry into Jerusalem, we lean into the strange juxtaposition of your actual victory being found as you walked towards the cross. That the point of this is it actually isn't about your suffering, it is about our suffering, the suffering of the world around us, letting us know that we have a God who is with us. We have a God who is empowering people and communities to be with us. I pray that our community would be known for our ability to ask for help, our ability to name when we are not doing okay. And so that we could support each other. And in acknowledging our traumas and acknowledging our challenges with each other, we would not feel uh, a sense of devaluing and a sense of look at me, I'm, I need help, that feels bad, but rather we could feel in the company of the God of the universe offering a dignity and an honor to our acknowledgement of what we need. And those of us that do feel overwhelmed by the struggle and the challenge we see in the world, I pray for help to see a model, to see a picture of the way that we can care for those around us, care for the communities that we are in, whether that is our workplaces, whether that is our families, whether that is our church, whether that is the organizations in our city. And we can see that as a living out of your mission, Jesus, of bringing justice and hope and life to this earth. 
pray that in your name.